On Wednesday, July 10th, 2019, MLEX hosted a discussion between Tommaso Valletti, the outgoing chief economist at DG Competition at the European Commission, and Christina Kafara, who heads up European Competition at economic consultancy Charles Rivers Associates. The event was moderated by myself, Nicholas Hurst, a journalist with MLEX, and what follows is a recording of the whole session. I'm delighted to kick off the, uh, this, uh, the valedictory tour uh, event this evening. Um, my name's Nicholas Hurst. I'm a reporter with MDEX in Brussels. It was our editor-in-chief, Lewis Cross, that was going to moderate today's uh, panel, but um, he's uh, unfortunately been laid low and is, uh, is very disappointed not to be here. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I get, to, I, I get to, 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 to pick up for him. Um, as, as you all know, Tommaso Valletti is, is uh, arriving at the end of his three-year stint in Brussels as the chief economist at, uh, at DG Comp. He needs a uh, little introduction. I think the interesting thing to note is that uh, he's had unparalleled access for an outsider to the inner workings of DG Comp. And the idea for this evening hopefully is that we can extract some insight about uh, uh, how that works and, uh, and perhaps give him a stage so that he can uh, make his exit from the Brussels stage in, in, in style and, and hopefully with a bit of aplomb. The idea, for, for, the idea is that this is going to run for about an hour. There will be a chance for questions at the end or statements if anyone wants to, to, uh, to intervene. But of course, if you have anything to say about the discussions as it's going on, please don't hesitate to stick your hand up, uh, uh, interject verbally, throw a piece of paper in our direction, and um, we're happy to take any, any comments. Uh, Christina Kafara is going to help lead the discussion. I'm the supporting act. <laughs> and she's going to provide a view from, from private practice. Uh, like uh, Tommaso, your, your reputation precedes you. Need little uh, little introduction, but uh, yeah, I, for those few who, who won't know, I should say you, you've got uh, you're an economist, PhD from Oxford. Uh, you've been doing uh, competition work for 20 years. You head up the European practice at uh, the European Competition at uh, Charles Rivers Associates. Um, you've been involved in many big big cases, but in many of those, I think that have defined uh, the current mandate. The Google case, for example, the Microsoft LinkedIn merger, the agrochemical mergers, the, some of the telecom mergers, and the list goes on. Um, the, I think you've actually got a, a, quite an interesting position because you tend to give quite unvarnished views. You're, you're more pro-enforcement, perhaps, than some of even some of the enforcers in Europe, which, uh, which, is, uh, which is unusual. Uh, as for Tommaso, you are a professor at uh, Imperial College in, in London, also a professor at the University of Rome, Tor Vergata. Uh, you started as a chief economist in September 2016. And I remember at the time trying to work out who this industrial economist was. And m the most telling thing I could tell is that you, you had an interest in telecoms mergers. And I don't think you'd ever tweeted at that time. Oddly enough, <laughs> I'm not sure that's right. But and uh, yes, I, I think things have changed dramatically. When I think back at the last few years, I remember you, you're very active on the conference circuit, very active on Twitter, 
speaking about many ideas that two years ago seemed interesting and quite radical, killer acquisitions, online platforms, market concentration, uh, which actually now seems to be right at the center of, of, of the debate. Um, and I think uh, most importantly for, for journalists, your um, Twitter activity has blossomed Man. beyond anyone, anyone could possibly have, have hoped for. And uh, you, you're regularly taking down uh, disinformation on Twitter, calling out puff pieces for the tech sector, or championing Commissioner Vestager. Yes. So, yeah, without further ado, I guess my first question would be, well, yeah, how did Brussels change you? And, and was it for the better or, or was it for the worse? <laughs> so, um, it's great to have so, so many friendly faces here. It's a, it's a great pleasure. Tonight is a kind of uh, uh, celebration, so please don't give me a hard time. We are here, we are, we are here to, to have a good time. Um, in fact, the first thing I, I will start by doing is deflecting your question and going straight to what is all this Twitter about? Okay? Because people may, 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 may want to know how it started. So, so I'm a storyteller. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a story. So uh, one of my best friends is called Andres. He's from, from Colombia, and we've been knowing each other for 30 years. Okay? He's a fantastic guy. If you think I'm a storyteller, you should meet this guy. You know, magic, realism, uh, markets, and these kind of people. It's fantastic. You would go on and on the, the whole night long. That's a different story. So a few years back, he, he came to see me in London about five years ago. And uh, we started talking. I says, Tommaso, are you on Twitter? I said, no. So you're such an academic. In fact, you have the guy who actually wrote a PhD on, on mobile phones and didn't own a mobile phone until 2008. You're such an academic. Okay. So you should be on uh, Twitter. Give me your phone. I gave me my phone. What's your password? I gave my, and he created a Twitter account for me. Okay. You're going to be Tom Valletti. That's your Twitter account. You need to have, uh, you have to follow people. And since I know you, you are a lefty. You're going to be following the Guardian. You like music. You're, you're going to be following the, the, the London Symphony Orchestra. You've always been supporting underdogs. So you're for, from a Torino, but you don't support Juventus. You support Torino Football Club, which is uh, a minnow. And then, uh, I mean, and then you will also follow this uh, Israeli uh, a top model because she's very pretty. Okay. And then I was following four guys and, and I never never ever ever used Twitter in my life you can check because it's a history until I, I came here didn't use it and then somebody started sending me I think it was Penelope that after a year said well actually you may want to follow Digicomp you may, you may want to follow the commissioner because they say something interesting about uh, especially important for me Digicomp is important because the announcements about cases, which is in interesting. Sometimes you decide about a case, you have taken a decision, you know about it, but you have no idea when it's communicated to the public. So that's important. These are the typical slips of the, of the tongue. Of course, we've decided on that case a month ago, and people don't yet know about it. So that's, that's, that's important. I started doing that. Blah, blah, blah. So not a passive user uh, for, for a long time, until exactly a year ago, I started my holidays in July, in July and uh, ended up going to my hometown, uh, Torino, where I still have a house. That's uh, my birthplace. It's semi-abandoned, but I love it. And, uh, and I found that there was uh, um, something happening on the roof. There was a branch tree that was destroying the roof, and since this is my birthplace, I thought, let's do something I used to do, but that was 30 years ago. Okay? And, uh, and I climbed the roof. Okay. In flip-flops. In flip-flops. And I climbed the, the, and I fell from the roof. And I fell from five meters, whoa, pump, 
and I broke four ribs, scapula, collarbone, and three vertebrae. So that, that, that was pretty bad, that was pretty bad, and that meant I ended up being in hospital the whole month of August. My wife is Greek, all my family was on the, in the GNC. I was so frustrated, so frustrated in hospital, and I didn't know what to do. Like I started reading books, yes, you listen to m music, yes, and then I started tweeting. And, when I, and I started tweeting, and then you see the power of this digital platform, all of a sudden people follow you. And then it was great, it was fun, but it was completely unintentional until you, you, you realize that you got some power. It is very, very addictive, okay? So, so you have to be very, very careful as well. But that's how it started. Sorry, I wanted to tell you this because people <laughs> might want to know, actually, my life on Twitter has been, you know, this is serendipity. I, I almost died and then Twitter saved me. But the more stupid, the, more, the crazier the tweets, the more impressions you get, right? Yes. The one about, the collusion between French and Germany on the position of the commission got 100,000 impressions yes. in like... Yes, yes, I mean, I, you know, you, really it's, it's, it's a bit depressing. In this, la, in this void of ideas, people are just grabbing anything they have in order to, to see there is some... So that's why perhaps I attracted the attention of some people, which, because, and this we, I get now finally to your question, when I joined this community, I found a community which was, if I may say, a bit hibernated. Okay? I came from academia, which is an ivory tower in itself, but I came with a certain knowledge of economics and you want to do this job because you know, there is quite a few market failures, that's why you studied, because otherwise it would be utterly boring to study markets because they're always well-functioning, why bother then? So I came from this, and when I came, by coincidence, by luck, we started working on the agrochemical mergers. Okay? That was uh, the, the, the early days. It, it was uh, Dow DuPont, then Bayer Monsanto, then ChemChina uh, uh, Syngenta. And, and it was super interesting. We were talking about this innovation theater farm, and uh, I started like, putting my tools, discussions uh, at night with Julio, with Greg, uh, and many other colleagues, because it was interesting. It, it was important. It was relevant. And when we started, uh, you know, bringing these results into the, the community, my goodness, these uh, elite lawyers, elite consultants, they are always on the defense as if you are saying the most stupid things on earth. And this is something that started changing inside me, but this is the wrong reaction. This is the, 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 the wrong reaction. And this was also happening at an historical moment. It's very difficult to separate your personal history from what's going on in the world, okay? I came here from London right after the Brexit referendum. I started in September, in November Trump got elected. Uh, the Cambridge Analytica scandal came, came around. So the world was cr crumbling around us and there was this bubble in Brussels, what I call the elite lawyers, some elite enforcers, elite businesses, and uh, you, you can put all, all of this uh, together. And it almost came natural to me, something I had in my guts, I wanted to pierce it, okay? I wanted to pierce it, and I started by running cases, by writing things, and then the Twitter thing was just um, the end uh, pro of, of, of a process, but th this is not where I started from. I started from seeing that something ought to be changed. It was the wrong interpretation of economic tools, it was a very conservative environment, Basically, basically, there is so much money at stake in this business, there are so many rents to be protected that many people would do anything just to, be, to become advocates. And this is not what an academic is used to. Mm. You want to think about a problem. Mm. Now, I wanted to develop this theme because, in a sense, it is something uh, that resonates with me very strongly, but I think what you indicated is that your own uh, trajectory, if you like, I mean, I've known you for a long time, you've been an academic always in 
involved at some, uh, in some way with policy questions, not a pure ivory tower academic, investment in telecom, you know, uh, papers on bargaining and so on, so reasonably applied, but certainly uh, there's been a trajectory over time. And I think what is most interesting is that if this has coincided with this big uh, shift in the tectonic plates that I think are be below us, and there has been a big discussion which has really coincided with your tenure, uh, that you picked up, and it is interesting, I think, to hear more from you about these phenomena. I mean, there is the big global discussion about how the distribution of rents is, 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 really, is really twisted in a way that, that we, we really shouldn't, shouldn't have, growing inequality, growing concentration, margins, market power, but more than that. And so um, I think to me, and it's, this, as I say, something that resonates, one cannot, even working in this bubble, be completely oblivious to this enormous change that is before us. So I think this is something that you very much picked up on. Absolutely. It's, uh, I mean, we don't live in a political void. This does not imply that we should become over-politicized, but we cannot just not see the impact of what we do. So, so obviously I was very lucky to to do this job under the tenure of uh, the Stargate because she's been uh, fantastic in communicating what we are doing, okay? But what we do ha has an impact. And instead, immediately we resist to say, this is not our tool, this is not our thing, it's someone else that should be doing it. And, and then ultimately you ignore it. And coming as, as an economist, I could see that economic is a strongly ideological tool, okay? Economics and economists, coming from academia and then they become consultants, are very good at destroying arguments. Okay? We are fantastic at destroying arguments. We are very bad at proposing new solutions. Okay? And that's something that, which, which, which is also my, my soul searching. I, I had a, as a progressive person trying to understand what I can do given my tools if I throw them away or I need to adapt them to the realities that we are living in. And I think it, it is possible to enforce, to enforce under principle, and it can be possible to do it with good economic principles. And instead, the economics, the way that was used by, by you, not you necessarily, but you as representing a certain part of the profession, and, uh, and you personally are different than that, was really, really, really a rent protection exercise. And, uh, and this is something that triggered my thinking. There is more that we can do, and we can do it with what we have. We don't need necessarily to go to other extremes. Yeah. But let's talk again a bit more about this political economy, because I think it is, again, something that uh, I, I talk as a consultant. I don't pretend uh, to speak for others, and indeed, I, I, I don't think I do. Um, but there is clearly a dimension in what we do, which is to do with the changes in the political economy. We can't just stay in a little corner doing bidding studies, doing guppies, and defending constantly and saying, there's nothing to see here, let's move along. Even if there is something to see, but you know, are these tools, these are tools that we develop, these are tools that we use. I have a growing sense that they're not telling us very much in the bigger picture. We're defending the, the indefensible sometimes, are we capturing some, of the, some of, the, of the big dynamics? It seems to me that there is a lot of thinking to be done. Well, if, if you want, the interesting link for us, because we are competition <coughs> practitioners, but you see a link between 
concentrated markets that concentrate into, that translate into uh, concentrated political power, the kind of political power that then can capture governments and then induce a certain type of regulations. And there is a very cozy system that we have created that this has happened continuously. So by attacking concentration, you ultimately attack a certain political system which is delivering certain regulations and certain enforcement. And, and as, a, as a chief economist arriving in, in this cozy world you described, I mean, I, how much influence within DGCOM can does the, the chief economist team so, boast? So a single person cannot and should not have a big influence because we are a team, no. so collectively we reach decisions. But apart from my views, we have run a lot of cases. If I think about the last three years, and I, I, I cannot enumerate all, all, all of them, but we started with Dow DuPont and the agrochemical. Interesting economic analysis. That was the innovation theory of arm. Then there was uh, the Deutsche Börse London Stock Exchange, a prohibition also with a lot of interesting economic analysis there too, prohibited for, uh, for other things. Then we had, uh, I, don't, I don't know, lots of big mergers in basic industries where, they, in, where the economics may not be no, novel, but you got all the steel mergers, all the copper mergers, industrial gases, uh, Praxerlinde. These are big industries which affect all the downstream stuff, the thing that we buy at the end. Then we have the interchange fees uh, with Visa and MasterCard, a, a hell of a lot of, of economics there too. Uh, we do state aid, the, the concession of Athens Airport. We made sure that the, the, the Greek state would, give, would, they, would they get an extra billion in money, which is not bad given the, the poor finances of the state. And then we, we did the capacity mechanism in energy. And then we are doing the Qualcomm, the Qualcomm predation. We are doing network sharing in the Czech Republic. This Lots of good economics, which is uh, you know, embedded within DigiComp, and that's what we do every day, by the way. And we can use our economic cases to go deep. Then we go into the digital world of the Google cases, we can discuss about them. But there, is, there has been uh, a, lo a, lo a lot of economics analysis where the chief economist team and the, the, the economists at Comp have been involved. So it's been in incredibly interesting times, not just to think about the higher, higher level picture, which was ongoing, next to us, eh? which was there and we should, and we wanted to be aware, and as we were aware of that, then we, we, we took practical actions, which probably meant more enforcement than in the past. As you say, a number of these ideas, uh, for a number of these ideas, you've been a, a, an early adopter and certainly a, a bit of a pathbreaker. I mean, uh, I recall the debate about innovation theories in, in mergers. That was uh, enormously disconcerting. There was a collective throwing out, throwing oneself on the floor. It was totally out of the conceivable. Uh, but there are more. You've written on attention oligopolies. There is concentration. There is monopsony. There is common ownership. I mean, one gets the sense that these kind of things are, 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 are being pushed and uh, there be, that, that there is, uh, the resistance is possibly weakening to this. Do you so, think you're making a difference? Or, uh, possibly like yes, possibly yes in, in different ways. So I, I don't claim any ownership, of course. I think uh, I was just curious enough to be at the frontier when these things were happening and also taking risks, obviously. We took risks. We took risks uh, in the phone with the modeling we did. I mean, I'm a very straightforward guy and that's not the typical jargon that you hear. People are expert in uh, diverting questions and never getting to any view. So I took risks because I was a bit naive, I guess. 
but also because I felt I had to take it, if you, if, I felt it was right. No? I know it's, this, 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 is, this is not a, a legal concept, but I felt I was doing something right. That was my sense of awakening. I said that there was hibernation in Brussels, there was hibernation in myself as well. So I was waking up. For once in my life, I felt I was doing something good. Which is, you will see the decision, you can appeal the decision, but I felt that was... As opposed uh, to resistance on the part of... As opposed to do my little job on, you know, we do the little no, overlap. I understand, but the, the resistance that you were facing is protecting clients' capital. The, so, where I got really, I, I mean, I went berserk when... when I started seeing the reaction from people, even friends, how they were reacting to our discussion, and I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe also the dishonesty in some circles. So I didn't mind in the, in the, in the debate, uh, in, the, in the Dow DuPont, all of a sudden some semi-academic papers started emerging, and they, it ended up that they were financed by a consulting that was getting money possibly via a, a, a law firm that was being financed by the, by the chemical industry. And nobody was disclosing interest. Nobody was saying where the money was coming from. To me, maybe I'm naive. Maybe instead you are, you know, savoir vivre. But this is not the savoir vivre that interests me. If there is a conflict of interest, it should be declared upfront. And we have become so cynical that people don't do that any longer, as if this is, you know, a fait accompli. We have to live with it. And I started going against it. So, uh, did I win the argument? Did I lose the argument? I don't know. I don't know. I certainly see not much in the U.S. Well, the U.S. is, I, I will make a distinction. But in Europe, we are still somehow in a comfort zone where us technocrats can coexist with well-motivated consultants and economists. And I see that people are more and more buying these arguments. So I think uh, it's, it's not just a GDCon, but if I think of uh, Germany, France, the UK, there is actually a movement of, of enforcers that understand that things now in 2019 are different from 20 years ago. Okay? Reflecting the fact that the industries are more concentrated, that the, the, the labor share went down, that the profit share went up, uh, that dynamism went down, etc., etc. So we are reacting slowly, fastly, this I don't know. The US has been much more resistant to it, with a big exception that the Washington bubble has remained the same, has remained the same, uh, but it is a much more critical movement coming from outside it. So the Open Institute, the Lina Khan, the Matt Stoller, these guys that were uh, pariahs at first here. Now, now, now that becoming, and they completely ignore the, the rest. So many of the suggestions, the interesting trends that you described didn't come from inside the profession. They came from the macroeconomists. They came from the, the financial economists, from the labor economists, if I think of a monopsony. They came from, again, finance guys, if I think of common ownership. All these things were there, and instead the initial reaction of the academia from inside has been always this destroying thing. It's not good enough. We have to do better. You are not identify the problem. Give me another example. Blah, 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 blah. Let's do more research, which means let's wait for the next 10 years. And by the way, academics have to do re research. I mean, I am going to go back to, to, to research after this. But we enforcers need to take actions now. The decision has to be taken in the next three months for a, for a merger. Do I ignore all these trends and these signals just because you are telling me that academics will be, are going to take lo longer time? I would say no. I would say no. And so I, me, my colleagues, let's roll up our sleeves and go much, much deeper into 
case and get out of our comfort zone and deliver. I mean, the kind of experience that you have uh, sort of relayed uh, is really your last three years here. Someone who's been into this for 20 years. I, I also have the big question, how can we, and it's a question I put to consultants, how can we continue to do the same things we did 10 years ago, five years ago, the same kind of arguments about nothing to worry about, this merger isn't anti-competitive because there is a new entrant, there is someone from China, there is someone else because there is a bidding study which is backward looking and it tells you nothing against the background of what is going on out there. I mean, I, I, I don't have an answer, I find it very perturbing that I don't think that as economists these kind of super technical little things that we tend to do are any more relevant even suitable to answering the questions that we have to address. And I think it's a big problem that the, commission, the, the, the profession needs to absolutely confront. We cannot go there and say, I have a bidding study. Look, I mean, this is what it tells you. Funny, he's the head of legal services of the commission. The world is on fire. We can't say, this is a guppy. Oh, wow, a bit of diversion and a bit of margins, and now you got the answer. I think this is no longer sort of acceptable. I'm sure others disagree violently with me, but that's my view. Very good. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. Another question. Okay. <laughs> I had to say I agree. And uh, you talked a bit about the battle of ideas in the, in the public sphere. What about the battle of ideas in, inside DigiComp? I mean, to what extent is, was that also a challenge to communicate Comp, again, it was the first time I was exposed to a, a big bureaucracy, but universities are a bit, they, they can be bureaucracies, but if you are, I happen to be in a good university, so it's, it's, you see a bit less, well, in Tor Vergata in Rome, I, I would have stories, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually funny ones, but the, the, the so, but this was a real bureaucracy, it's not, it is, it, it is, it's a thousand people, there is a, a strong director general, uh, an amazing commissioner, and you get and you go there, and uh, you you develop. I have to understand what I have to do first of all. You know? So paradoxically, the first few months were very easy because in the chief economist team they know there's going to be a new boss coming every three years, so they take you by hand. They're super professional. They're super prepared. They tell you, "Tomorrow you're going to see this guy. You're going to say this. This is what we think." So if you are a fast learner, and I think I am, I have good memory. I, that was great. I didn't have particular problems. Towards December, three years down the, the job, they started asking me, "So, Tommaso, this is the case. What do you think?" Okay, and this started being more interesting because I had to form my, my, my own opinion by then. And uh, I found a few things there. A, COMP has, I don't know the rest of the commission, a sense of identity. So th this is good. People there know why they're there, which may not be obvious if you are, if you are a real bureaucrat. Because th people really know what they're doing. And, and, and I think, I mean, I mean it as a, as a, as a compliment. Uh, the, so I hope it, it comes across to our colleagues here as a compliment. The other thing, that, uh, which is also a compliment, is that the, the quality of people working there is very high. Okay? People are good. People are really good. And then things which are more complicated is that there are different cultures in, in, inside comp. There is a, a culture of communication, of sharing, and there are people that genuinely come to you and they, they ask you, what do you think? And you sit down and you think. And then there is also a culture of, uh, you know, just of hierarchy, of hierarchy. 
So this is where you just respond to whatever signal comes from above, which clashes with the other, with, 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 and this is more difficult, obviously. It's more difficult, especially when it comes to antitrust. These are long cases. There's this guy, which is new. This case was initiated five years ago, and then who are you? You're putting your nose in my stuff. Please get out of here. So, and it's difficult to be accepted by there. As, as, as I said, personalities and human relationships are, are, are very, very important. Uh, going forward, uh, the, the, the problem, which I always alluded to, and people perhaps, uh, of course, if there was uh, Cecilio Johannes here would say something totally different and say, Tommaso, you're wrong, but there is a, a, var, you know, a silos mentality, the three instruments, mergers, uh, antitrust, uh, and state aid, that, 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 that has to change somehow. The working loads are very different, the, and the fact that there is no, it's, it's not just vertical by instrument, it's vertical often even by industry. Okay, so this is really a, a, a problem. If you are, and I, I, I don't know, in the sector, just to make some, I hope <coughs> I don't touch on any on, on, on any personal feeling. Imagine you you are doing antitrust in the industry that produces plastic bottles. Probably it doesn't exist. Okay, so this is an hypothetical example. If you're doing antitrust in the industry that produces plastic bottles, and you find a case which involves plastic bottles, you say yeah. Okay, and you want to stay on this case as long as you can, whether it is good, whether it's, because 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 otherwise, what's left, right? So instead, if uh, by the way the case in plastic bottles is not very good, maybe let's change it. Let's do there's a phase one merger. It would be great. You would, as a person, say, I know what I did this year. I cleared the merger in phase one, and this. This, in my view, I don't know how, okay, there is something called a very difficult term that after three years I cannot even pronounce now, called décloisonnement, okay, did I do that? <laughs> I don't think it's working. So, how to change this? This problem doesn't uh, arise in the chief economist team, because we are fewer, we, we cannot divide, we are very horizontal, something that we may come back, so everybody does a couple of instruments, everybody re reports to me directly, so the, we, we don't have this... Uh, case handler, case manager, deputy head of unit, head of unit. I mean, this is, this, this is the hierarchy which somehow motivates people in terms of a career because you want to be promoted to these jobs, so perhaps it's good. On the other hand, you respond to different incentives. You're not there to, to, to run cases any longer. You think about yourself, and yourself, you are identified as a bottle guy, or, and, and this is not particularly good. The CT doesn't have an agenda. Believe me, the CT does not have an agenda in, the, in, the, in, the, in that sense. We really try, maybe we are naive, to run good cases. Inevitably, one wants to talk also about big tech. You said they are uh, a problem and they fooled us all over. Um, you want to expand on this uh, aphorism? Well, yes, I mean, uh, to me, big, big tech has been a huge disappointment, a huge dis disappointment, as I've expressed several times. Big tech, to me, was revealed just as another wealthy interest group like big tobacco, big oil, and now it's big tech. I don't see any difference at all. What has surprised me, though, is that obviously coming from Silicon Valley, from California, with this liberal ethos, under Obama, we all were thinking that something great was happening. They fooled us all over. They fooled us all over, big time, big time. So, so, and, uh, and now it may be late. And now it may be late. So it may be late because if you think about the size of these companies, I know size is a uh, very imperfect proxy, but size is size, okay? Two and a half billion. Think about of any other industry. You take Europe, you add the US, you multiply times three, and you've got the subscriber base of Facebook, okay? Uh, this is a problem which involves multiple jurisdictions. And they are, you know, 
jumping around the gray areas in regulation, now whatever Libra is, but they go in Switzerland because in Switzerland is irregulated irre in a different way compared to other monetary authorities. They, they, they navigate this spectrum. As an economist, my surprise, my disappointment is that I was coming from tw 20 years of exciting theoretical research because in the late 90s, in 1999, that's when I took my PhD, a book came out called Information Rules. That's a book by Hal Varian and Carl Shapiro. And uh, Hal Varian then became the chief economist of Google, and Carl Shapiro is still an old fox uh, at Berkeley University doing consultancy for, Shapiro, uh, for, <laughs> for Google. So, and, and this book had ideas, 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 and we want because, you know, you know search networks where, where search engines were emerging. And all these ideas then ended up closing total access to the academia, to those who are interested in answering questions. To, so they put barriers. I'm giving you something to think about, just some material for reflection. They are the largest companies in the world, okay? Google, Amazon, Facebook, uh, they, they are, and plus Microsoft, they are the top, top five companies in the world by market capitalization. So the market capitalization is, the order of magnitude is trillions of dollars. I don't even know what that figure is, okay? Big, very big, okay? They're worth trillions of dollars. They've been experiment, experimented this uh, incredible growth of the last uh, 15 years. You would have imagined this should have attracted lots of attention from the economists. You would have expected lots of PhDs being written about these companies because it's the most amazing thing. Plus, industrial organization, my field is totally dominated in the United States by empirical guys. They want to run structural models, these very complicated things, the nitty-gritty. Usually we do structural models about six-pack low-fat yogurts because we have data, we have data, we have scanner data, very precise scanner data, we can run those models. You would expect, well, goodness me, I mean, Google has the largest amount of data ever in the world. Facebook has the largest amount, Amazon, they have the largest amount of data. You would have expected lots of publications, right? So that's how we learn. We learn about behavioral biases. We, 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 we learn about if you show something on top, on the bottom, second page. We learn all these things which are fundamental in cases. You would expect a lot of interesting stuff out there. So I went and I did my little night search and night tweet because that's when uh, at night <laughs> I have time and I looked at the publication in what's called the top five journal economics if you want to have an academic career in a reasonably good university you must publish in the top five okay the top five journal is called AER, QJE, JP, whatever okay these are the top journal for academia and I searched I searched okay how many articles? And they published thousands of papers, okay? There's lots of stuff, lots of stuff, lots of stuff. And the answer was zero, zero, zero. There's nothing out there. So they didn't want us to learn. They would say, these are art data. I say, that's what I'm saying. You're like the big tobacco, the big oil. All this narrative that we are doing amazing things, thank you very much, the thing is for free. It's not free. true. It's free. It's free. Not true at all. These are, make, these are doing advertising, right? That's what they do. They sell ads. They sell ads. And so that has been a huge disillusionment also with, the, with these companies. And their reaction, because they kept sending, they kept sending the Halvania and say, no, competition is one click away. Show me. Show me competition. you got the data. Show me if it is true what you're arguing. No, 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 no. No one has access. When I made this stupid tweet or informative tweet or interesting tweet, I mean, you judge by yourselves, then I had people sending me private emails from these companies saying, 
I have a PhD from Stanford, I have a PhD from Berkeley, I have a PhD from, uh, from Chicago, I went to work for Amazon, I went for, to work for, for Google. I chose, so I am to blame, of course. I chose, and they gave me good money, okay? So I'm, I'm to blame. But I asked them, because I'm an academic, when you finish your PhD, and maybe you go in and out, I'm here now, I'm gonna go back to academia. Revolving doors are useful. Some of my <laughs> colleagues go and work for, for you, for your competitors, I mean, it's good. I mean, that's how you learn. That's how, how information is, is going around. And they said, you are not allowed to publish anything of anything of anything, okay? You can't, you can't. Forget about any potential academic career because you are here just to work for us, period, okay? You may think, again, again, that's a legitimate, as long as you understand, you have a contract in front of you, many of you are lawyers, so you think it's fine. I think it's not fine. I think it's not fine because, A, I'm not sure that these data are theirs. It's a question. Who owns my data? I mean, on Facebook, I put my bloody photos, I put my likes, uh, I, I, I put my comments, okay? Why should this data be owned by them to start with, okay? Another, another more fun, fundamental point for me, because I want to learn, ultimately, I want to learn. I want to have the young talent, because we are dinosaurs, okay? This is the, 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 the brass of bubbles, it's always, you know, what you call ancient white males, another thing that you have, we have to think I've, about. I've, yeah? I've coined that. You've coined that, so ancient white males, and I'm one of them. Uh, the, 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 you want the young guys, you want the young guys, you want the, 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 the young bright people to think about a problem. And the, young, young, the bright young people in the Berkeley's, in the Stanford, in the Yale, etc., etc., they're thinking about their future. Clearly, they want to publish, okay? If they want to publish, they think, what is a, an industry where I can find the data? Big tech, there's no data. I move on. I do something else. I do development economics. I have be, do behavioral stuff. I do finance. I do macro. I do whatever. But I do, I'm not going to study this problem. So you have generations of people who actually even, you know, gave up asking questions, okay? Gave up asking questions. This is part of the hibernation I was referring to. We stopped asking questions. So I don't have many answers, but yes, I want to ask questions. But when, when and, and to complement that, when some of these people ask uh, me or others, how do, how do we change the narrative about ourselves? You know, regulators have got a terrible perception about us. They don't really understand us. We're a force for good, we do great things. And you say, well, come out to play, right? Don't sit in, in your kind of, you know, bubble yourself in Seattle rather than in Cupertino, rather than in whatever, and, uh, and, and, and just wait for people to throw a grenade and then say, you're wrong, you don't understand my business, you don't, you don't really come out and play. Provide some data, let's do analysis. And there is a great resistance to that, you're right, because partly because these are American companies who, whose approach is we don't cooperate with the government, we sue them. Right? And that is the position. But there is an enormous uh, missing opportunity there because, as you say, if there were uh, data being, being supplied um, to research, then that narrative could potentially. If you're good, show me. That's what I would say. But I'll tell you more. I mean, the, the, the clear strategy of these companies, because there is amazing academics around, they are maybe interested in policy, but ultimately they want to crack problems and publish. I know, I know, again, I don't want to make no names, but I know very good uh, researchers, both in Europe and the US, that they have approached some of these companies, and these companies uh, said, okay, yeah, yeah, you want to write a report for us, we're going to give you money. No, 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 we don't want money, okay? We, we, 
We want data because we want to run an, an, an analysis. No, sorry, we cannot give you data. So they don't give data, and ultimately they fund institutions. There are institutions such as George Mason University, such as uh, in, in other places which are funded by the Koch brothers, which, which are funded by the Google, by the Facebook. They don't get a data, a single datum. Let's make it singular. A, a, sing, uh, a single datum, and, uh, and they get money, and they just have a story they, they need to tell, and you find economists. Economists are, are disgraceful somehow, also because they can tell a story about anything, right? So I'm one of those. So they can tell you a story about anything, so, and they know already what is the narrative, Another interesting point, this is more something for you consultants. Sometimes during this job, when I was meeting with the economic consultants and they were showing us their own description of markets where obviously there is always a Chinese firm entering, where obviously there is uh, infinite capacity available, that obviously prices are always going to go down, and obviously everything is declining, so you need to, uh, to allow this small merger which is worth $80 billion because otherwise the world collapses. And I was saying, okay, but, but, but look, how can you reconcile this? with the internal documents that I see, with the evidence, because this has been really refreshing. Economics is super useful, especially when it, can, it is one element of a story, which is a theory of arm, the facts of the case, the evidence that you find, etc. So, but these internal documents, and then I was talking to some of these consultants and even friends, and they say, but we don't have access to those documents. We don't see those documents, okay? We don't. And say, so how? Well, because we cannot talk to these companies. You cannot talk to these companies. You're advising those companies, don't you? Well, 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 no, we have to ask the, the, the lawyers, okay? So the lawyers have become the bottleneck in this business. So this is more for you, Christina, to tell me how can you unlock this bottleneck if your economists cannot directly have access to the companies and form an opinion about what they are doing because the lawyers are going to tell them what they can and what they cannot see, then it's difficult also for me to engage. It's difficult for me because I... I, I it's not a matter of trust, but there is something odd. You see, there is, it's, it's already something which is uh, not going to work out. So how can you unlock it? Uh, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are arguments that you really shouldn't be running. And I think that uh, there is no question that uh, as consultants, you really need to put boundaries and say, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that because it's rubbish. I don't care if it is something that helps the client. It's rubbish and I lose my face and I lose my reputation if I go and say something like this. Uh, there is a, a difficulty, which is... Uh, to, to really so to see the, the, the fullness of, but there is, you know, the reality is that the advocacy prevails, right? And so you're going to be filtered in what you're able to say. And that is, that is a problem. So either you say, I'm simply not playing, I'm not defending this, I'm not, not coming out to say this, or you do, and, you know, you're a helpful consultant. That's what you are. Just to, just to stick up for the defense lawyers, sir. In, in the room, I, I'm kind of, and also to come back to this idea that they've fooled us. The whole narrative of the last couple of years has been ones of billions of euros of fines on the tech companies, tax, tax deals being torn up, new investigations being opened. You, you don't think the ship has turned? Well, they fooled us, and they fooled me as an economist, as I said, because they were promising this nirvana, which wasn't there. They promised this word of perfect competition instead. If I if I really think, I don't want to be boring tonight, but the first principle of economics, if you think about the joint coexistence of 
concentration, high margins, barriers to entry, externalities, business models based on zero prices somewhere and externalities somewhere else. All these things would, would tell you, hey, economists, this is where economics one, one, one doesn't work, right? These are markets bound to fail. But these are where you would expect market failures. And that and instead, they managed to convince me as an economist that instead they could play, they could open new things, could they do amazing things. It took me a while, maybe they fooled me as an economist, that this, it was so obvious that they were going to create problems, and they did create problems, by the way. Huh? It's a mess, it's a mess. Forget about competition, but think about all these data leakages, etc. We have to rely on promises. Yes, we have fined Facebook for infringement procedures, because, but it's, they say something and then they do something else. So, so, so this is more or as an individual, I'm speaking, not as a competition expert. But I am really disillusioned with the, the, the business model. With the business model, the business model is creating audiences. Audiences, you are stuck because you're stuck because you're not going to go anywhere else. Also, the others are the, are there, and then they sell you ads. Okay, and then they sell. And they, the business model is to get you on board for as long as possible. And then once you have created this scarcity, this access to you, some people call it attention brokers. They are running an auction for who, in that moment, is the most willing to pay for your access to your attention. Okay? This is the business model. And this business model has lots of problems, lots of problems. And we need to acknowledge it. If there is no acknowledgment that this is a problem, then we don't go anywhere. If we acknowledge that there is a problem, we can start talking about solutions, regulations, and so forth. But what's the so, solution? So what's the solution? So there's a big debate which people know about. There has been the Kramer Report. There is the Stigler Report. There is the Furman Report. All of these wonderful reports that talk about the need to somehow just just create more regulation because antitrust in and of itself is inadequate, doesn't get there, takes too long, the remedies are crap, and, uh, and frankly, it doesn't, it doesn't solve the problem. How do you see the solution? Because I personally, personally, my view is more antitrust, please dial it up. Uh, but how do you think? The great thing is that I can leave all this to my successor. Pierre Gibault will give you the answer. So three years from now, please, have the, the Regie, whatever, valedictor, regie, it's more difficult to know. Oh, by the way, I didn't leave a mark in Brussels at all. If three years later my first name is still misspelled, Tommaso, with, so, so, that's okay, that's okay. So. Even in, in, in London, after 10 years, I still have double S's in my office, so, so I gave up. Maybe I should change my name to Tommaso. And that's it. That would be make it much easier for everybody. So the 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 solutions. Uh, one doesn't exclude the other. Okay, regulation, GDPR, and more antitrust. More antitrust means a couple of things. Interim measures. Okay, interim measures. Whoa, we finally did it after 18 years. I think that's great. If we don't use uh, interim measures in these markets, where do we use interim measures? All this is, is difficult. And also trying to be uh, a bit more creative, a bit more, more creative in the application of our theories of arm. So I see lots of like, uh, potential for uh, exploitation of our data, of our private, uh, privacy conditions. But we have to try. We have to take risks, once again. We, 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 we will be tested in courts. So that's fine. But if, if we never try, it's a catch-22. We will never learn. No? So, so we need to do both. We need, we need, we need to both do some regulation, which we have used in banking, in, in telecoms. We have done interoperability, interconnection, data portability. These are things. Of course, you have to adapt them to the circumstances. If 
there is privacy concerns, you don't want everybody to have access to your stuff, but you can, you can give what is the limit of the privacy protection that you want to give, and then you can ensure portability, given that you have accepted. So, for instance, what the Germans did in Facebook seems to be also a, a, a good way forward. So, there's interesting things that, that, that are coming, which is, which, which, which is, I mean, unavoidable somehow. Maybe it took too long, but it's unavoidable. But it's, it's good that you mention exploitation, because I think this is an area in which, in this space, there needs to be more thinking, and it needs, needs to be more uh, taking risk and more courageous. We can't be always kind of saying, I have a Microsoft hammer and looking for a nail and fit everything into that sort of mold. And scoop. I think Pierre is very much of the view that exploitation is also one of the things that need to be, to be pursued. Okay, so um, the other big area, I mean, you know, we've done big, big tech. The other, the other big question mark for the future is, is the whole, uh, I was going to say train, but it's a bad metaphor, the whole kind of, uh, uh, the whole kind of uh, shift and the movement towards, uh, you know, how do we think about national champions? Is this what's coming? It, you know, we've, you and the commissioner have resisted that kind of, uh, that kind of drive in the recent case, but it is, there is a sense that there's almost an inevitability that, these, that with the new commission, these things will come up again and again, and the political economy around the debate is, is probably favoring these problems kind of becoming more, not less. Well, there's quite a few things that one can say. First of all, this debate was reignited, obviously, uh, with the Armstrong Siemens. Um, personally, that was one of the you know, great moments where I said earlier, you're doing something which feels right. Okay? Uh, it, um, well, our morale, when we understood that Vestager was going in that direction, was boosted incredibly. You know, it was a really... When you are, you know, you have hope that there is resilience in the institutions. It's uh, not to be taken for granted that with Brexit, the UK out, the two largest uh, uh, economies in, the, in Europe, Germany and France, that really wanted it, really, really wanted it, with uh, during my tenure at least, uh, unparalleled uh, interference from the political level. It's. Uh, Really, I felt so reassured when I saw Margrethe Vestager listening to us, listening to the case team, listening to the people, telling her what was happening. Really wanted to know the facts about this uh, imaginary Chinese invasion that was not simply there. In that market, it didn't exist. As, as you well know, not a single high-speed train has been, ever been sold outside China. That was the threat. Uh, the, that, that was, uh, I mean, I will still remember it as a day when I said, uh, Yes. Okay. Commissioner Stagger, I love you. I love you dearly, and uh, and uh, and everybody felt the same. And everybody felt the same. Uh, the but this debate is going to stay. So so it's going to stay in several different ways, in good ways and in bad ways. Uh, in good ways, we should also think that uh, we want to have a thriving European industry, which is fine. Which which, which is fine. By the way, the Amsterdam Siemens is. Uh, uh, Tells us also a few things. Uh, the, the parties, the politicians, they could act much more in advance. They started speaking to the journalists, to the media, months and months before, telling this 
simplified, appealing message that they wanted the creation of a European champion, which sounds great. You know, who doesn't want a European champion? It's like, uh, uh, so it sounded great, and instead, rightly so, we couldn't communicate because the case was ongoing uh, until the end. So it was a bit difficult to catch up also. So I don't know how to solve this problem. There was also a wonderful moment, I should say, before actually the case was decided finally, there was a guy called, I think, Kayser, who was the CEO of Cement, that understood that things were going wrong, and he made a tweet, okay? And he made a tweet that said, the commission is maybe actually is technically right, but is morally wrong, okay? <laughs> and I immediately picked it up, or to be more precise, David Covo immediately picked it up in my team and he sent me an email and said it must be the first time that somebody acknowledged that the commission is technically right. The parties, I'm sorry, that the, the parties uh, acknowledge that the commission is technically right, which I immediately, because you know, my tweets actually is coming from people from, from the team. Uh, they know it, they know it, they know me, so sometimes they just give me the hint and then uh, I'm their voice, I'm their voice. So, so. Don't blame me, or give them credit as well if you like them. If you didn't like them, then I am to be blamed. Uh, and, 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 and so, um, so this was the, you know, the heroic moment, which you know, felt, you know, we, we, we felt good for a bit. It's going to come back. Uh, this moment is, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very fragile moment. I don't want to be saying the obvious things, but, but this uh, political moment for Europe is... Uh, uh, is uh, potentially dangerous. Uh, things are being decided now, and um, I can, I don't know who's going to be selected as the new director general, I don't know who's going to be selected as new commissioner, but if you have the wrong combination, uh, it can be all start again, all start again. So I think, and I'm convinced, and I hope, and, uh, and all this, I want to have a positive message that the commission, DigiComp in particular, has a very strong, not only ethos, but it's a very strong DG, okay? It's very difficult to, to go against a structure which is so strong as DigiComp. So, so, but, 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 but you don't know, it will depend how it starts, how it starts. Who's so. the next commissioner? Yes, yes, I mean, this commissioner, I mean, it's, you, you just, okay. Is that your moment? Yes. This commissioner... <laughs> I don't know where that comes from, but uh, I found it in my office. This is the, the candle of Margarita Vestager, and I want to... Um, do, do you have a lighter? No, I don't. I do. Ah, you do. Okay, so... I'm an iconoclast, but, but not, not, not with Margarita. So... so the, yes, I forgot to do it at the very first. So, the, so, so it, can, it, it can also go very wrong. Uh, the, the, the things where we can improve, though, there are things where we can improve, where I see potential, but then I need help. We need help. We need to do it right. So, for instance, there is some rethinking about state aid. State aid, which is not a typical thing you do, but you know, at comp, more or less half of the people do state aid. Uh, in the chief economist team is one quarter, we do less. Uh, but, but state aid is very interesting because it's become a very formalistic state aid. And we go very much into lots of little things. But there are economic arguments that sometimes there are market failures, there are uninternalized externalities, there are, there are spillovers. So you may want 
to promote investments, okay? What typically you hear, especially from the cases you may be involved in, well, to promote the investment, we want to merge. And we say, no, 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 the merger is the type of the Dow DuPont by Monsanto would actually be counterproductive in that, in that sense. However, you can also subsidize firms, okay? Well, you don't need to renounce the competition between firms if you subsidize in the right way. So there is something called IPCI. These are some instruments coming in state aid. We had the first application December last year. There may be more coming. These are super interesting. The pro I'm not going to say the, the problem, but the thing we need to understand is that there are two different cultures. In mergers, we are very much evidence-based. Okay? This is as evidence-based as you can be. You get a lot of data, you do the analysis, uh, the facts, the access to files, the documents, internal documents. Sometimes it's a good data set. Sometimes you can do bidding analysis, which is very interesting, not, notwithstanding what you said. And so you get, but this is very... Data-driven, I mean, it doesn't need to be econometrics necessarily, but it's facts-driven. Instead, 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 in state aid, uh, the, the information that countries give you is very limited. So you can decide on something very relevant with very little information. So it would be good to align the different cultures that you can, if, if you give a good story, if you give good data, I mean, we, we, we can subsidize our firms. We can create European champions. In, in uh, Amazon Siemens was the elimination of a European champion because we already had two, okay? Different problem. But uh, I see more coming from there, but we need to, be, to, to, to act based on principles. Otherwise, if you open the gate, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's bringing the, the clock back in time by quite a lot. Should we, uh, should we see if there's any yeah. questions or comments. comments, interventions? I have anecdotes. Otherwise, I go to the anecdotes. anecdotes. Yes, yes. Exactly. A lot of anecdotes. Asimakis. What, what do you think the competition law enforcement would be in 20 years. Will it be still relevant, or do you think that uh, it's going to be turned into something like a bit regulation? Or, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? So the question is, how do you see competition 20 years? No, no, we heard. So first, first of all, <laughs> hi, Marcus. I, I want, okay, Marcus, I want to use Marcus to say something else. Um, okay, Marcus, uh, about a year ago, maybe, it was uh, introducing Vestager at a conference, and uh, I mean, Mac is, is a top lawyer, and that's his job, okay? But, but he's also like to, do, to have a more academic approach, and uh, he went to see some speeches of Vestager, he searched for the word fair and fairness, and he made a speech about the use of fairness in the speeches by, by Vestager, and they related it to some ancient Greek philosopher, I think. Was it Socrates or? Socrates. Socrates, okay. So, uh, and, that's what, and that's absolutely fine. It was the beginning of a conference. It was something he posted on LinkedIn, and that, that was the end of it. However, however, there is a bunch of other guys which are claiming themselves to be legal scholars, okay? Legal scholars. And they have such they a lack of ideas, a lack of ideas. These are the conservatives, those which are trolling me on Twitter, whatever I say, something which is against the established, uh, the received wisdom in this circle that would immediately attack me. But we brought ideas, and we got the, on, the, on the margins, on the concentration, on the counterfactuals, on the attention oligopolies, on innovation theory of art. We brought ideas and said, these guys have no ideas, and they write academic papers which are entirely based on analyzing the text of Vestager when she's meaning 
which it says you versus us. Okay? There is a paper of 90 pages based on this. This is lack of ideas. This is not scholarship. Okay? If this is legal scholarship, guys, I may do a different job because this is so boring and so irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. 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 The fact that Vestager says fairness is great. I mean, she's a communicator, she's a politician. If I go out in the street and, they, and somebody in the street, which in Brussels, I mean, this is again our bubble, but if you go, go outside the bubble and explain what you do. And if you say, I'm here to make sure that there is not an, a, significant, a significant increase in effective competition, or I want to make sure, what, okay? And, and then if you say, I want to make sure the firms play fair, yeah. I got you. I got you on board. And so leave the stagger alone. I mean, that's her job. And she communicates. She's the best communicator. She's better than any one of us. Okay? She, 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 so, so please, leave, don't, don't, this is not scholarship. It's irrelevant. Okay? So it's, it is irrelevant. On your question, what are we going to be? <laughs> 20 years from now, Marcus, we, we are going to be together, uh, hopefully, on, on some uh, Greek island, uh, exactly. uh, eating um, some, some sea brim and drinking uh, ouzo. But, uh, the, the, um, uh, the, 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 we are at, at, at a strange point, okay? We are at a strange point where if a certain type of populism prevails, it will become irrelevant. Yes, yes, I think it can become irrelevant, okay? If you, you, you have other people which are interested instead of trying an enforcement, of trying to see, etc., etc., of testing our boundaries a bit more, being prepared to also to, to lose in court, uh, but then, then, we, then I will be very, on that Greek island, I will be reading with you interesting decisions, okay? But you're making a difference here between Europe and the US, right? Because uh, that populism you're talking about is not something that we're likely to see here. It's much more the complete uncertainty as to where things will go in the US. It's totally paralyzed, dead at the moment. It could go the way of Warren. Yes. But, but, but by the way, on a personal basis, so I had uh, very fruitful interactions with the French authority, with CMA, less with, with Germany, although Andreas Munt is a regular speaker, so you see him a lot. In my personal, so I cannot speak for, for other guys, but when I joined COMP, there was a chief economist, Nancy Rose, at the DOJ, okay? And we immediately started to it was Dow DuPont time, okay? She was leaving, but she was interested, she, and Trump just joined, so they were not prepared at that time to do something perhaps uh, a bit novel, but they were, we were on the phone a few times, we were exchanging emails, documents, it, it was useful. And then total silence, total silence. You know, the front office of, I never, ever had any contact with the front office of the DOJ after January 2017. Okay? This is revealing, I think. This is revealing. Obviously, back office, people working on cases, sure, sure, of course, yes, which, which, which is good. But at that level, never, ever any contact whatsoever, which is a bit worrying. Yeah. But anyway, that was a side comment to the US. Any other questions? Anne? Anne? Um. So we are at a moment when we're about to form a new commission um, and there's a lot of input from different um, sources, different um, quarters as to what the political agenda of the next commission should be, coming from member states, from capitals. Tommaso, if you were invited in to the new competition commissioner or even to the new president of the European Commission's office, and they said, hey, what do you think we should be focusing on in the next five years in terms of competition? What would you say? So I, 
I would say, um, okay, let's meet up with Fanis and uh, discuss about the whether reintroducing something. Okay, as an economist, I would say every case has to be decided uh, case by case, blah, blah blah. But another aspect, which 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 is true, by the way, but but that would be true in a world of infinite resources. Okay. If we had the infinite resources, it would be yes. I analyze each case on its own substance, and I come up with my view, etc. But that's not the case. And if anything, we, after after Brexit, uh, obviously resources are going to go down. Okay, so I'm expecting a cut of resources, and we have to, and we have to uh, the you know direct our resources in an intelligent way. So, and how can we do that? And I would say. State aid, get rid of a lot of small things, uh, raise some minimum thresholds for something because it's become something that takes a lot of time and concentrate on the big cases. You really want it to be big on big and small on small, let's do it in practice, okay? Because sometimes that doesn't follow necessarily in what we do. So do that. Uh, this IPCI, great. Subsidize some industry. Think about trade. Think about this. Uh, subsidize as long as you have a, co a coherent plan, you see why. And it's not just giving money out. So this is going to be something which is re responding to the need of, uh, of investments in, in Europe. Digital, very important. Digital, again, don't talk only to the Facebook and the Google. They are funding 90% of our events in Brussels. Come on. Uh, they are coming to see us every time. But think about our companies, okay? We are responsible to, I mean, our constituency is Europe. And think about if you are an entrepreneur in Ruhr or in, uh, in near Cambridge or I don't know where if there is any Silicon Valley anywhere else in Europe. And there are lots of in, in Baltic countries, etc. Think about those guys and talk to them. What is the kind of uh, interfaces they would want with these uh, big, big, big giants? Okay, because this is this should be our point of view, and they start asking: Is this kind of value regulation? Is this kind? Of, but that's what you want to to achieve. And then, because of the use of resources, as I said, has to be intelligent. Rethink about some structural presumptions. Okay, this is like an anathema coming from an economist. Okay, structural presumption in the 80s, we were blocking everything that moved. Okay, no, no, and then the, the economic arguments came, rightly so, rightly so, because we were blocking even a merger that would increase by two percent from seven to nine or whatever it was, some infamous cases in the U.S. But then we went all the way down to the opposite spectrum. We are almost not challenging a three to two, a two, a two to one. I mean. Come on, I mean, there can be something which is pragmatic and neither to that extreme and I mean, you can stop there. So, for instance, for the digital platform, super dominant, uh, I mean, reinvigorate conglomerates or something, uh, some strengthening of dominance. These guys have 90%, even if they don't acquire the next guy, who cares, okay? Who cares? It should be bought by someone else because we cannot challenge each one of those, okay? So, those cases are decided. Let's see if they can bring up some evidence that there could be amazing efficiency gains. Fine, we can reconsider it. And then the, the scarce resources, you really devote them to these mergers that you don't know. You don't really know. A four to three, the new mobile thing, the new concentration in, in the gas industry, and then, and then you can run good, good cases there. Does that make sense? Improvised? I hope so. Go yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, Tomaso, there should be uh, more macro? influence in, in, in the commission. In what sense? In the decision making. I'll give you an example. For example, take, take the mobile uh, telecom industry and, and compare the European industry with the US. The US is debating whether there should be, uh, there should be three in the future of, of national 
companies and probably this will, will happen. In Europe we have about 50 or I don't know how many, how many uh, telecommunication companies and um, <coughs> by, by looking market by market and, and applying the doctrine of there have to be at least four any market, or at least three, even in the tiniest market, has to be three players, etc. We have come to the situation that, that we. Sorry, can you since uh, who do you work for? I'm a lawyer. A lawyer, but do you work for telecoms companies? No. Not okay, yet. just ask. Not at the moment. Not at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I have been at the commission for. Yeah, no, just ask. But it's important. I said the disclosure thing because otherwise you never know. It's fine. We're open. No. Perfect. Sorry, I interrupted. So, I think one must find a way from an international competition, competitiveness point, must find a way to go from, from looking at, at these national markets, which are national in, in certain ways. If you take the, 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 customer, the customer facing the market is national, but if you look at it from a technology way, the market is probably not national anymore. All your major suppliers are few international companies and so on. And, and we seem not to be able to get over that bridge because we have to be say, well, we have to defend the, the Cyprus uh, telecommunication market. We have to defend the Austrian. We have to have four telecom companies in Austria and, and, uh, and in Germany and, and so on. You know, if, if you apply that kind of policy without a, a macro well, 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 well. I'm going to stop you a bit because I think the example you give is a bad one in the sense that telecoms, they have a strong local dimension. So if you're in Cyprus, the fact that there may be uh, three fantastic companies in Lithuania is not a, of big use, okay? You're not going to make your call in Lithuania. So you need to have companies in Cyprus. So what matters in Cyprus is how many companies you have in Cyprus uh, at the end of the day. So this is still, to me, to me uh, markets where our analysis at the national level makes a lot of sense from, uh, from this simple, perhaps simplistic example that you're giving. In other markets, in other markets, yes. In other markets, declining industries, you want to understand what are the global trends, or, um, but these are more global mergers. So, in fact, in fact, I am more concerned that sometimes we are missing a dimension about global markets. I'm going to give you a couple of examples. One was the beer merger, okay? global beer merger. Another one was uh, Linda Plax, uh, Praxair, industrial gases, uh, less uh, well known compared to Stella Artois, but very important because it's an input to our industries. And so they came to us uh, in the beer, very upfront, uh, in the Praxis Linde, after lots of analysis and negotiation, but ultimately they divested completely the overlaps they had in Europe. Okay. Completely. It was divestiture of the complete overlaps of the beer brands or whatever the plants they had. So this is, from our perspective, a good thing. Okay? That's the best you can get. I mean, you solve the problem, period. Okay? Uh, but then you see after a while that prices in, in these industries keep, keep, keep going up. Okay? So you have a feeling that in these global industries, still growing, uh, these are not declining in industries, but in growing industries, that you were in a situation where you had two, three, whatever, global players, and the merger makes one disappear. Okay? So 
I cannot quantify it, but I feel that what we are missing is lots of things, in the beer example, intangible. They are built to brand stuff. I mean, they are, they are making zillions, these guys, because they're good, they're good. But we don't have this branding, these intangibles in our analysis. The, the, the industrial gases, some engineering capability, these guys are good because they have something special, and we don't know that. So what I think we are missing are, it would be great, I don't know, I mean, I'm just uh, uh, continuing with my wishful thinking if I was uh, in the next commission, and I'm not. Uh, it would be great if we could uh, complement our lawyers, our economists, with two types of jobs, okay? One are for the digital stuff, all the young guys out of masters in data science, okay? That's the best you can get because then they, they are being paid 300,000 and they're not get, never going to work uh, at the commission. That's going to be their entry salaries too high. But uh, when they have five, six years experience. But after the master in data science, they might, okay? They have a public sector ethos. And so you learn a lot about the digital and they tell you how this very opaque ad tech industry works, which we don't really know. And the other types of guys, and uh, if I may say with no offense, since uh, there are some uh, gray hair in the audience, think about it. Uh, people that, which have been management consultants and they really know a lot about markets, global markets, they are towards uh, the end of their career. They don't have an agenda. Get them. Get them on, uh, get them on board. They are going to be super useful to tell something that from the internal documents you don't get. You always struggle to see the bigger picture. These people can also be super useful. So the young and the old together. Good decision. But good. I, I, I mean, to pick up on your point, I agree that the, the, the sort of the telecoms example is actually not a very good one because I mean I've worked on all of these four to three, and I think that they, there is a concern about whether they they actually were uh, really leading to anything good. I think, however, that this global dimension is is important, not just in the sense that Tommaso sort of explained, but there is an area which I, I think we're missing, and I think your suggestion perhaps of using some other type of skills is, is useful. In other cases where you have declining markets, for example, we end up having uh, analysis that tend to be focused on you know, the relevant market and the relevant market ends up being narrow and so on. And we miss the big global dimension of shifts in competition, shifts in competitive advantage. The chemical industry in Europe is, is one such example. So I think, I think your point is, is taken also in, in, Since it's in that sort of. Serafina, excuse me, but it's 7.30, yeah. and uh, we, we want to get a drink, drink, and I want to give you a couple of anecdotes, okay? <laughs> Shall we say anecdote time? Yes. Yes? Okay. Okay. Sorry, I'm going to give you three anecdotes, okay? One which is also going to speak at the press, because, you know, I have something for you as well. So, <laughs> May or June 2017, okay? I wasn't on Twitter. In uh, May, June 2017, I go to a conference in Oxford. And uh, <coughs> you know, people are attacking the commission from being slow, etc., etc., because, you know, these Google cases, you're not reaching any decision. And as critical as I may be, but I am a good soldier. I like this job. I like the commission. I'm defending it. I have a different style, but I'm a staunch defender of the, of the, of the commission and, and our job. And so when I hear this, I say, well, stop it, okay? And so it's, we, are, we, are, we are really working on these three Google cases and you know, shopping and, 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 and shopping, I mean, we are, we are deciding very soon, okay? End of the thing. The conference finishes uh, and then my 
My phone was off. I switched the phone on. I'm going towards St. Pancras to get the Eurostar coming back to Brussels. And I start seeing you know, Reuters, Bloomer, Bloomberg, etc., saying, chief economist of Digicomp says uh, that the, the, the Google Shopping case will be decided very soon. Wow. <laughs> so, but I ignore it because hey, what's that? <laughs> An hour later, I receive an email. Johannes Leitenberger. <laughs> Say, Tomorrow, nine o'clock, in my office. <laughs> I go to Johannes, Ricardo Cardoso, myself, I don't remember who else. What did you say? <laughs> what? What did I say? What did you say? I don't know. What, 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 what did I say? You said we are going to decide the, the shopping case very soon. Oh, yeah. You should have said. We are going to make a take a decision as soon as possible. <laughs> so, yeah, and so I try with my humor to say, which one comes first? I don't understand. I say, I say, no, no, no. So, and there's a couple of lessons here. One is for comp, which has this strict language. And if you want to adopt the string language, it's fine, but then communicate it to me. I'm coming from the outside. I have no idea that this is. So give me a dictionary or something, because otherwise I have no idea. And the other thing is for you guys. I mean, really, in the absence of anything, you are grabbing whatever, whatever thing that moves in order to, to have an attention. So tonight I gave you ample food for, for quotes and things to write. But think about the substance rather than the scandal. Okay, okay the catchy line, I understand, its audiences. But go on the substance. If I, and I hope you, you will catch the substance of what I said rather than the, the you know. The sense of humor, which you may or may not like, but I just happen to have this one, and that's me. Okay. Second anecdote. Second anecdote about the um, flexibility of uh, sometimes of Digicomp officials. We were doing Deutsche Börse London Stock Exchange. Okay. Again, that was early on, and uh, and I, I am in this meeting. <coughs> Ancient white men, all males, all in a suit. I'm there 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half. Lawyers talking about financial market jargon, okay? <coughs> I'm going mad. I don't, what am I, doing? I don't understand anything. What is it? I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. What am I doing here? I've got other things to do. So I, I text my assistant, Joanna. She's going to be here tonight. And I, say, I just say, rescue me, okay? <laughs> that's, that's all I said. Okay? Two minutes later, she comes to the meeting room. She has this big folder, okay, big folder. It's written in cubital letters. I don't know if she had it prepared or she was so quick. I mean, she could, we've written, chief economist, very urgent, okay? <laughs> she comes to me and she opens it. There is obviously an empty page and I say, oh, excuse me, I need to leave, okay? And this is the flexibility of the G and the last one, which is uh, <laughs> the, the example, which, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say, but uh, I have to, I'm sorry, but it's, it's, 
So we have uh, another merger, another merger, another meeting with another bunch of lawyers, and this is a merger which involves conglomerates. Okay, so that is uh, this good, which is going to go with this good, and so, and in particular, one of these goods has a brand which is very, very, very famous. Okay, very famous, and so we start telling, you know, we have a concern that you have a must-have brand, and so if, since everybody wants this brand, you may leverage this, and you ask us, and so we got this must-have. It's a it's not particularly technical, but we use must have, must have, must have, must have, must have. At some stage, there is a lawyer. Again, I'm not going to say name, but he's a compatriot, so I can, uh, I can imitate very, very well. And he says, basta! <laughs> like this, in front of everybody. There are 20 people say, basta! What is it? Basta with this, stop with this must have, must have, must have. Basta! Everybody knows that in life there are only two must-have things. Okay. One, Nutella. Two, porno. <laughs> and you're there. And you're, and you're there. I say, whoa. And then, and then the guy starts uh, elaborating on it. And says, because... It's also, also Italian, very machista. I said, because when my wife goes to the supermarket and doesn't find Nutella on the shelves, she, she walks away. Otherwise, there is a revolution at home. Okay? Okay, that was everything. So everybody's waiting for the elaboration, <laughs> which doesn't happen. Okay? The sequel to this is that post uh, UPSTNT, we have to file everything. We have, we, you know, we have to file the minutes have to be in fact. So I've been told, I've been told that every time you're trying to file something in this case, the filter system says unaccepted content, and you cannot <laughs> file this document. So that was the, 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 the enough. I think we should close on this. Thank you very much. And the drinks continue next door. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you.